Good morning. It's great to be back in Australia after our whirlwind magical marriage tour to the UK. And uh, our son was here, but he appears to have disappeared somewhere. He's gone? Children's Church. Yeah, he's never grown up really. Married, but still going to Children's Church. What can I say? But it's great to be here this morning. Midweek we had uh, a ministry team planning meeting and we began to talk about uh, the messages that will be rolling out over the next few weeks and it was very exciting to talk to find out about uh, a series for Every Day with Jesus, Everyday People, Everyday Presence, Everyday Power and Everyday Purpose coming to you in the coming weeks. But this morning I want to um, open the word to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. Um, which is not one of the mystical version, uh, verses in Revelation, which is really good because I don't understand most of those. But um, it's one of the more easy ones. But we're going to pray and then we're going to launch in. Father, we thank you for the vision for the house this year that we would more and more every day grow in our relationship with Jesus. And Lord, we ask today that as uh, we open your word, God, that your spirit would speak to us in a, a way much greater than I'm able to actually communicate. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, here we are. Jesus in the middle. What an interesting... The Jesus in the middle. We'll, we'll get to that later. But we're going to start with Revelation chapter uh, 1, and verse 8. And it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord... Who was, who is, and who is to come, the Almighty. Who was, who is, who is to come. Today we're going to talk about Jesus who was, who is, and who is to come. And I want to break that open to you. I've been sitting on this message for about eight months, uh, waiting for an opportunity to, to share it. And when we announced the fact that we're going to be talking about Jesus every day... I thought, this is fantastic. This is exactly the right time to do it. So I said to Pam last week, I want to, I want to do that thing on who was and is, to, and is to come. I think it's going to work really well. So what I really want to do is, uh, guys, if we can throw up that picture in the middle. I'm sorry to get rid of the, the big everyday with Jesus. But I wanted to put this sort of chart up here today, and I want to talk about this. What I want to present to you today is, it's not three Jesuses, okay? There's only, still only one Jesus. Let's, let's clarify that. But Jesus is manifested three ways to us. And that's what the scripture is saying. He's the Jesus who was. The historical Jesus. He's the Jesus who is. The today Jesus. And he's the Jesus who is to come. The Jesus coming on the clouds with glory. And we, we kind of have a handle on this historical Jesus, yeah? You know, the the baby Jesus, meek and mild in the manger. Once in Royal David City, we sing it. Every year we come out for the carols. And have you noticed that there's people who don't come to church any other time of the year, come to the carols, and instantly they're relating to baby Jesus in the manger. And they're singing the carols. Maybe they learnt those carols when they were kids, going to Sunday school. But, you know, they start singing away in a manger, and they get out the, the mobile phones. They start doing this. Okay, we, we have no trouble relating to the baby Jesus. And even the Jesus that comes with the miracles. 
You know, the, I, I got the picture there of, um, you, know, you know the scripture, don't you? Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So we, we kind of relate to the Jesus with the children, that historical Jesus. We don't have any problem with that. The Jesus with the miracles. Don't we love those stories? Who, who, who loves the Jesus miracle stories? They're really cool, aren't they? And, and we relate to that. Tell me the old, old story. And we sing that song, Tell Me the Old, Old Story. Some of you, only, Gar- only people turning 60 know that song. Isn't that right, Gary? See, yesterday, I thought you didn't look a day over 59. And here you are. Don't worry, I'll be there soon. But we relate, we, we relate so well to that historical Jesus. And then even the Jesus on the cross. How many relate to the Jesus on the cross? How many are grateful for the Jesus on the cross? See, most Christians have no trouble relating to the Jesus on the cross because that was our entrance into salvation. It's like we got a ticket. We got a ticket to ride. We got, a, we got on board the gospel train and away we went. We are Christians. Yay! The historical Jesus. What about the future Jesus? Anybody here looking forward to Jesus coming back? We all say that, don't we? We have no trouble relating to the future Jesus. We're looking forward to the day when everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power. The future Jesus. We talk about the future Jesus. In fact, most of the time, we're either talking about the historical Jesus or the future Jesus. But we don't always talk about the Jesus in the middle. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The Jesus in the middle. In fact, there's a thing in philosophy called the excluded middle. And uh, someone wrote a, a, a book about this in, in terms of Christian life. And they said, in our world, we have no trouble with the unseen world in heaven. And we have no trouble with the reality world on earth. But where the trouble comes is the excluded middle. The unseen world of heaven breaking in to the reality world of earth. And, and that's one of the, the philosoph- philosophical things in Christianity where they talk about the excluded middle. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to have a drink of water. Because I have this affliction that when I talk for long periods of time, all the moisture goes out of my mouth and my tongue sticks to the top of my mouth and I get very difficult to understand. In fact, when, when I was sharing the message at Joshua's wedding, Anne said, I don't think anybody else noticed, but what happened? What was happening at the end of the, at the, end of the message with your mouth? Because I'm, I'm just talking there about the two shall become one flesh and the, the, the wife will cleave to the husband in unity. And I said, my tongue was cleaving to the top of my mouth. And literally, when I was saying the final prayer over them, I could barely pronounce the words, you know, and it was like I was having some kind of stroke or something, and so I just got to keep drinking the water. What I want to talk to you today about is is the Jesus in the middle and how that applies to us in our day-to-day Christian walk. As I said, we have no trouble relating to the historical Jesus. We love those stories, we read those stories. In fact, sometimes we're very wistful with those stories. We we read them and we look back with a kind of a longing, you know, oh, if, if only Jesus was here today. You know, if only, if only we could be walking with Jesus like the disciples were. Who's ever had that thought? 
we've, we've preached those things. You know, if only we could be with Jesus every day and uh, we could walk with him and understand him and have him talk to us. One of the things we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to talk about the people who Jesus was with every day and we're going to look at the life of some of the disciples as they walked out their everyday with Jesus experience. But we have no trouble relating to that. But it's the Jesus in the middle that we want to get to today. You're right there, Aquila. <laughs> when, um, when our daughter, Rebecca, was uh, about this age, we took her to Bible college. And one of the lecturers was talking and talking and talking. And she was quite a, a personable child and she felt it was totally unfair that nobody was talking back to this lecturer. So she decided to have a conversation with him. And boy, was he ticked. (laughs) But I'm not ticked, okay? I love your talking. Yes, I do. You know, when when the disciples, and I I think I've got this scripture somewhere. Have we got that, guys? Mark chapter 314? That's the one. When Jesus appointed the disciples... There's a really interesting scripture. It says in Mark that he appointed the 12. And what does it say? That they might be... Isn't that interesting? He appointed the 12 that they might be with him. I thought he appointed them, you know, to preach and cast out devils and heal the sick and tell the gospel. No, no, no. no. First and foremost, he appointed them that they might be with him. They might be with him. And see, that continues for us. We're, we're now in the role of the disciple, right? When we, when we receive Jesus as our saviour, we said, you are the Lord of our life. We invite you in and we became what the Bible technically calls disciples. And so God appointed us now to be with him. And this is what the Jesus in the middle is all about. And this is what Jesus every day is going to be looking at for the entire year. How can we be with him in the moment? He still wants us to be with him. He wants us to be with him. Now, and this is where I'm getting to the crux of this thing. The devil loves us to get involved with the historical Jesus. He really does. He's really happy for us to tell the stories. He's really happy for us to sing the songs. He's really happy for us to have these romantic notions of the Jesus that was on the earth, the historical Jesus. He loves that. And see, he's even not too, not too unhappy when we talk about the future Jesus. The devil loves that, you see. He, he just, he, if, we can, if he can keep us thinking about the Jesus out there, he is so happy. Now let me tell you why. Because faith does not operate in yesterday, nor does it operate in tomorrow. The only place faith can operate is now. It's the only place. See, we can talk about faith, but that's not faith. We can remember moments, but that's not faith. In in, uh, Hebrews, you you can't quite see it because it's dropped right down the bottom, but if you stand up, you can see it. It says, now... Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I want to concentrate on those first three words. I don't want to make a doctrine of it because I think that's pushing it too far. 
But the writer intentionally says, now faith is. Now faith is. You see, when we believe, we believe in the moment. Even if we're believing something in the future, for something in the future, we engage faith in the moment. And this is what God wants us to do because, you see, there's no power in faith that's in the past or in the future. It only has power now. It only has power in the moment. When we actually believe something, what we're doing is we're taking the word of God that's been given to us and we're engaging with faith for that word and bringing that word into the moment. And and I think someone was talking last week, I think it might have been um, Ian, was talking about the Logos and the Rima and the difference, how one is one that comes into the moment and has power in the moment. And see... Jesus wants us to relate with him in the moment of our everyday life because this is what happens. We we relate to the historical Jesus and we get saved and it's all wonderful and immediately we're looking forward to a time when he will come back and take us out of this horrible world, you know, and... We've had generations of people that have written songs about that. You know, all of the, the Negro spirituals that came out of the, the slavery in America was, was looking forward to the time that Jesus would come back and take them out of their horrible situation. Hey, I can understand them writing those songs. But it was, you know, in the sweet by and by, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. It was projecting forward to a time that they felt Jesus would come into their situation. And what they were saying was, Jesus is not in my situation today. But God doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to engage with the Jesus in the middle. He wants us to engage with the Jesus every day. You see, Jesus hasn't changed his mind. He's appointed us to be with him. So how do we do that? Well, part of that answer is we're going to flesh that out over the next 12 months. But, but part of the answer is we need to be aware of Jesus and that's what he wants. I'm just going to keep this with me now because... It's uh, kind of really getting very sticky in there. I don't mean I don't mean mucusy sticky. I mean like stuck to the roof of my mouth sticky. <laughs> we can talk about that at a later time. How do we how do we do this? How do we get Jesus into the into the, our day to day situation, into our walking and living and breathing and going to work and walking around life? And and it's simply this, is to be aware, number one. To be aware that this is what Jesus wants. He wants to be engaged in our life. In fact, he's dying for us to engage him in our everyday life. You know, it's funny, we were talking this morning in the prayer meeting and and Pete had a, a really bad night's sleep last night and his neck was all sore and he he came into the prayer meeting and seriously... He looked like someone who'd just died. And uh, he was sitting there and looking really miserable. I said, what's the matter, mate? He said, oh, I got a sore neck and I couldn't sleep. And, uh, you know, I understood that. But, um, you know, Jesus loves it when we come in our weakness and just our everyday 
this is what I am, and it's not going well. He loves it when we say, Jesus, can you come and inhabit this? Can you come and in my weakness and show yourself strong? So I've experienced that so many times. When I remember one day we were, we were um, running a Bible, Bible school on a Sunday night. And it had been a particularly difficult week, hard week, and uh, I preached in the morning and I was backing the car out of the drive, knowing that I had to go and, and teach for an hour and a half in the Bible school. And, you know, I felt like doing that as much as, I don't know, having a finger cut off. And um, I, was, I was really tired. You know, you know when you're tired to the point of feeling a little bit nauseous and just like... like uh, when I get really tired, I, I get to the place like on a plane. Who likes going on a plane and having to sleep like on a plane or be on a plane overnight when there is no sleeping? It's terrible. And what I find is that in the morning when we're just coming into land, every part of my body gets kind of irritated. And so we were, we were sitting on the plane and I was feeling particularly irritated. This was on the, the flight coming back into Bangkok from Rome. And... Um, and Anne had a jumper on, a, a cardigan, and, and her cardigan kept brushing up against my arm. And it was like, get away from me. Don't touch me. You know, you know when your skin crawls and you say, I've got to go to sleep. Well, that's how I felt that day back and out of the drive. And I just said, God, if you don't come, I'm just not going to be able to do this. And, I, you know, I, I was not physically not up to it. And I found... By the time that I got down to where I had to be, like a five-minute drive, that I was transformed. Now, I've got no other way to explain that other than Jesus just came into my weakness and showed himself strong. There's no other way to explain it. You know, I didn't, I didn't, stop, I didn't have a Mars bar on the way down, you know. I didn't get a coffee. It was simply... God, here I am in my weakness. Would you come and help me? And, you know, he wants to do that all the time for us. And I, I, and I find it really strange. The reason I find it strange is because I do it and I don't understand why I do it. But I find it really strange in having this resource available to me every day. And so often I think going into my day on my own strength and with my own wisdom is a good idea. I don't know why I think that's a good idea, but sometimes I do. And I find that I want to be in control of what's happening in my world. You know, like, (laughs) I'm going to make it better somehow. And I don't understand why I do that. Because I know that in the back of my mind, there's someone who knows everything. Who's already been where I'm going. And this is one of the things I love about Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end and all the bits in the middle. Everything that I'm going to do in the next week, he's already been there and seen it and he's prepared grace for me. Isn't that something? Everything that you're going to encounter in the next seven days, Jesus has already been there, he's already seen it and he's made preparation for you with grace. And if you will just engage him every day, we have the capacity to find a power, a wisdom, a knowledge, a patience. Who needs that? I do sometimes. The resources that we don't find in ourselves, we can find in him every day. We understand the historical Jesus. 
We understand the future Jesus, but so often we miss the Jesus in the middle. The Jesus who wants to engage with us every day and make our life different. And this is the really incredible thing, you know. Because we're human beings and we encounter all kinds of different people, especially growing up, we we were having this conversation in um, the prayer room this morning about kids and how kids are just so simple in their faith. And, you know, they they have this capacity to just believe and the kids are out there learning about the armour of God. And uh, we were doing something yesterday, setting up for the party and and, uh, at one stage Russell gave... Uh, Abigail and Jonah the microphone so they you know we were shorthanded so he had to get someone to test the microphone so they're up the back with the, the microphone and and Abby's going one two test test and I thought oh she's busy listening when they, when they've done that in church and I said come on Abby sing something and I thought she said I don't know what to sing I just sing a song so she's up there I'm too young too much in the infantry and I thought I uh, must be doing the armour of God at Children's Church. And here she's singing this song. You know, that kids are so simple. But what happens to us is that life has a tendency to put in layers of cynicism, doesn't it? You know, kids, kids, kids believe anything because they don't know any different, right? And that's why they get duped on April Fool's Day all the time. You know, but by the time they're older, you know... Somebody tells you something and you're looking for the calendar. Is it April 1st? What's going on here? Because, because we have built up a layer of cynicism and a layer of self-determination and a layer sometimes of self-preservation. Amen? How many of us get into situations and circumstances and we begin to instinctively react to preserve ourselves? And it might be with words, angry words, that we wouldn't in a sane moment otherwise say. And it's simply that we've, we've built up these, these mechanisms of self and reaction or self and preservation or control. You know, we want to control our world because we're afraid of where it might go if we let it go. And sometimes it's even hard for us to trust Jesus because we've been disappointed. In our life, we've maybe had a, a mum or a dad that's let us down, and you know, someone comes and talks about, you know, God's a heavenly father and he'll be good to you. And we go, yeah, right. And we have trouble putting our trust. And so we want to keep the reins nice and tight. And God says, hey, you can trust me. You know, he has no other agenda than to to be good, to be kind, and to be faithful. He doesn't have another agenda. See, when he looks at his life, your life, he's not going, now, if I can just give that a tweak, if I can just give that a little, you know, a a twist a little bit, I I can make something exciting out of that person. No, no. He has no other agenda other to give you his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness, and his love. And we can trust him because, you know, when, when someone's good, you know, it's not easy to find someone who's really good, isn't it? The Bible says that, you know, maybe a, maybe a, a good man might lay down their life for a friend. Maybe. 
Maybe. Who thinks, nah? <laughs> Most of us would go, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a good person would lay down their life for your friend and you're th- sitting there thinking, going through the names. No. 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 Isn't it sad when you run out of friends <laughs> and you haven't got someone, you know? And uh, I read that scripture. Maybe, maybe, maybe a good person would lay down their life for the friend. Yeah, I don't think so. But Jesus says this. He says, how much God loved us that while we were yet sinners, not friends, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now, let me put this to you. If he loves you so much that he was willing to die for you while you were his enemy, how much more is he going to be for you now that you are his friend? Amen? You know, we can trust him. We can trust the Jesus in the middle. You know, we we can sort of say, I'm going to let go and just start giving Jesus some responsibility. You know, now I know, I know for some of us, that's a several coffee moment, you know, the tension. And it's like your kids, you know, you don't give them the keys to the car straight away, do you? He asks, I don't have the keys to the car. No, you let them play with their toys. And if they don't break their toys, there might be a good chance that one day they won't break your car. We were talking about, uh, we were talking in the office of the, the other day about people that, um, I think my brother was talking about driving his, his sister's car somewhere when he first got his licence. And he was waving to, you know, a girl on his street. You know, you know what you do. You've just got your license, you're driving a car, you see someone you know and you want to wave and bit the horn, hey, I've got a car, I'm driving. And, and you're not kind of experienced enough to be able to handle the look right and the drive straight thing. <laughs> so invariably, when you look right, you drive right. And, uh, or you look left, you drive left. And I said, that's nothing. My twin sister was driving my father's car just after she got a license. And she looked at left and she was driving past an old boyfriend's place. So she went, hi, beep, 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 drove straight into his father's car. <laughs> his father and my father were not impressed at the same time. You know, sometimes it might, we may have to start with a little bit at a time saying, Jesus, and be honest with him because he can, he can deal with it. Let me tell you this about Jesus. He's incredibly secure. One of the things about knowing the beginning from the end, being the Alpha and the Omega, there's no surprises. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. You know, sometimes you might wake up and you've had a bad day the day before and you're thinking, oh God, you must be so disappointed in me. No. Somebody just get that. You know, Jesus has, is never disillusioned with us because he has no illusions about us. He has no kind of fantasies about us one day being good. He knows exactly who we are. He knows exactly what we're capable of. He knows exactly what's going in our life and our mind right now. And he loves us anyway. Isn't that amazing? He loves us anyway. So this is what I suggest. Over the next few weeks, we're going to start fleshing some of this stuff out, this Jesus in the middle stuff, this Jesus everyday stuff. 
And I know for some of you it's going to be old hat because you're already doing that, and that's wonderful. But for some of you, it's going to be a very new concept. And the thought of actually letting Jesus drive. Anybody have trouble here being in a car when you're not driving? My wife can sleep in the car. My son. I reckon my son could sleep on the engine while it was going. He can sleep anywhere. Me, when I'm in a car, I can't sleep. I've got to drive. If I'm not driving, I'm awake watching. I'm awake worrying. I'm awake nervous, you know. So I know, I know what you're feeling. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about letting Jesus come in and be involved and be with us and maybe even make some decisions, maybe even give us some suggestions. I know it's going to be hard, but little by little, little by little, if this is something that you've never done before, if you've been the master of your destiny, and even if you've been engaged with the historical Jesus and you're looking forward to the future Jesus, but right now you've got your hands on the wheel and maybe the Jesus in the middle is at best, you know, like like those old Roman kind of movies and there was always a servant standing at the back of the room, you know, waiting for the master to go and the servant would be appear. Yes, how can I serve you, master? Sometimes we have a Jesus kind of picture that looks like that where our engagement with Jesus in the middle is to be able to click our fingers when we need him and say, Jesus, can you help me? And, you know, the great thing about Jesus is he's willing to do that in order to get where he wants to get, and that's in here with you. He's willing to do that. And I just, that blows my mind and, and, and makes me love him more all at the same time. But as we, as we do, as we little by little begin to engage with Jesus in the middle, I begin to say, Jesus, this is new for me. I want, to bring, I want to bring you into my world. In fact, I want you to be with me and I want to be with you. Just like the original promise thing. He, he, he called them to be with him. Jesus, I'm going to try this. I want to be with you. I want to begin to walk through my life. Not weird, because I've seen that. We used to have a girl in our church that would, she got a bit funny with this stuff. And she would walk down the street with a hand like this. Because she was imagining Jesus was walking along with her, holding her hand. And that, that's kind of weird, you know. When you, when you walk to a door and you, you're about to go through the door, but you open the door so Jesus can go through the door. And then you go through the door. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about having a sense that a growing sense that he is with us every day. He's walking with us. He's, he's here to help us, to guide us, to lead us, to make us better than we can be. Let me tell you, Jesus can make you better than you are. Now, for some of you, I know that's a challenge because you think you're pretty good. But he can make you better than you are because I know he's done it to me. He's, there's times when he's made me look brilliant and I think, God, there's no way I could think that up. You're amazing. 
and he doesn't mind doing it. That's the, that's the incredible part. He's in fact, sometimes he's willing to share his glory with us. And he doesn't put on a drama if we don't acknowledge it straight away. But over the next few weeks, can, can we say, Steve, I'm going to give this a try. I agree with you. I got the historical Jesus thing pretty, pretty much down. And I'm, I'm looking for, to the future Jesus like everybody else is. But, you know, if I was to be really honest, I have not engaged very much with the, the Jesus in the middle. I, I've, you know, I've not lived in that way that thinking that his presence is there. So what I'm asking you is simply this. Over the next few weeks, are you willing to give it a try? Are you willing to, to, to day by day, a little bit more, say, you know, I'm going to start my day thinking about Jesus. And, and little by little, have that, that growing sense that he is with me. You know, because I, I know I can go through a day and not think about him once. And sometimes that's just because I get busy and I take for granted that he's there. And they're, they're usually the days that I miss out. So, so can we do that? Can we agree? You know, some of you don't know what I'm talking about because you haven't even met the historical Jesus maybe. Or, or you've not thought about him at all. And I, and I simply want to give you a challenge today. If you're in that situation and you don't know the power of having Jesus in your life, there's an opportunity today for you to talk to someone, to come and talk to me or to talk to Pam or to talk to Pete or find somebody that was up on stage. If you're too scared to talk to any of us because we look kind of scary and, you know, find one of the ones that's playing the guitar on stage and say, can you tell me a little bit about this Jesus? And, and, and I'm sure they will. Is that Okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have not called us to some kind of religious experience, but you've called us to relationship with your son. And God, we don't always know what that means in its fullest extent, nor do we experience it in its fullest extent. But God, I'm glad that you don't withdraw it from us just because we mess it up. And Jesus, I I more and more want to know you in my daily experience. Can I uh, just ask you to look at those two verses? Maybe without the loud piano accompaniment. And I just want you to contrast those two. There's a day coming when all of us will see the Son of Man coming in glory and power. And it's, it's always portrayed to me like we're gonna, it's going to be breathtaking and awe-inspiring and all this kind of stuff. But I was reading those two scriptures today and I thought, you know what? God doesn't want us to be surprised when Jesus comes back. Because if you read that verse, it says, The Word became flesh... And dwelt amongst us. Jesus came and dwelt with us. And we what? We beheld his glory full of grace and truth. See, I think God wants this. 
He wants us not to be surprised when Jesus comes back because we've already developed a history of experiencing his glory and his power in our daily lives. So when he comes back, we're not going to have, you know, when he comes back, we're just going to recognize him. I love it when I, I see my grandson because as soon as my grandson sees me, he runs to me and jumps up into my arms. Not because I'm wonderful, but because he recognizes who I am. And he's happy to see me. And, uh, and that's what I want to be like when Jesus comes back. He's going to be there like he's always portrayed with his arms outstretched. And uh, I'm going to be like Jonah. I'm going to run and jump. Amen? Amen.